You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil Hello and welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. We are back in the new year, and it is time for us to discuss The Two Towers, the movie done by a Peter Jackson, because guess what? still haven't found a chance to get drunk together. Scheduling is hard. I mean, the real problem is that we all got drunk several times over the holidays. <laughs> we just were doing holidays things. I got drunk with Emmy over yes. the holidays. You don't need to rub we, it We in. played games. That was great. Anyways, I'm Caitlin. <laughs> and I don't want to go to work. I'm Rachel. And that's relatable. I'm really tired. I'm Emmy, and I do really want to go to work because I have a lot of stuff to get done, and not being at work is stressing me out. Emmy and I are different people. Yep. (laughs) We had to actually fill out a survey at work the other day about just how we like working there. And one of them was like, do you feel that your work is important or do you take pride in your work or whatever? And I went on this whole big rant about how working for a big company really makes you realize that if you don't show up, somebody else will just do the work. <laughs> and then at the end, I was like, so, thank you for listening to my existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a mood. Yeah. The Two Towers, the movie. Uh, appar- compared with Peter Jackson's other two movies, how do we feel about this one? Is it better? Is it worse? What are our thoughts? Did you just say other two movies? Yeah. The other uh, two of Peter two, Jackson. Other two of, yeah. These of the movies, Lord of the Rings. His, yes. Not, not compared to Peter Jackson's other movies that he's made in his life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was sorry. Just sitting here. I, know, I was also thinking of like The Hobbit and I was thinking like, well, we watched ob- way more Obviously than two it's movies, better than so. the fucking Hobbit disasters. I was just wondering how low we were setting the bar. Above the I Hobbit. I wanted to be clear. Um, so unpopular opinion, The Two Towers is my favorite of all Lord of the Rings movies. I really like Helm's Deep. I really love the Ents. I really love all of it. Yeah, so I think it's interesting. Like, I was having a weird kind of experience as I watched it having read the book um, and having this moment of like, I really like this movie and like everyone who's read The Lord of the Rings likes it, but they made a lot of things different. Mm-hmm. And I, it kind of like, I couldn't get quite as into it this time, which I know will will go away, but like, the arc that the movie follows is just like a really good movie arc. So it works. You've got all the epic moments at the end and the great swells and the music. And so one of the things I was focused on this time was I kept thinking about how actual warfare is not at all like cinemagraphic. You just like it doesn't make for good TV. Mm. Only only fake war makes for good TV. And I really thought about this, Rachel, when you said something about critiquing all of the battle strategies the entire time you were watching. It's like, yeah, nothing realistic is going to look good or fit in this span of time that we have to execute a siege. Yeah, but I think, I mean, that's true of every war movie. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have to send two young boys on a trip across, you know, enemy lines to go deliver a message to call off an attack because we can't just like show the entire long progress of World War One. I. I was going to say, wait, are you talking about 1917? Yes. <laughs> Just for th- the beginning of that was like, are you talking about Frodo and Sam? Yeah, no, I know. And then we segued. <laughs> it did not even occur to me. But yes, basically, 1917 is the Lord of the Rings. Boom. 
in a really meta way, it kind of is. I know. Yeah. Hang on a second. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I actually haven't seen it yet, so please don't spoil it. I haven't either. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, okay, I just okay, see okay, the trailer. Okay. If you cut the brother plot line, it really works. Well, and because, like, you There's know. There's a lot of weird, unrealistic disasters that strike. Like, that's, that's you know, Tolkien went to war and wrote Lord of the Rings then. it's Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, um, yeah. No, I was mostly just like, if they have this wall that's never been breached, they definitely have something to just push back the ladders. Like, at least the first ones. Yeah, you would have thought. And that also, where were the trebuchets? Also, there's, they should, should have had some pitch. And who's been taking care of this castle? Because they have okay, not done a good job at all. Okay, that's actually in the all. book. We knew, we knew this. We yeah, know who's been taking care of it. That general dude. No, what was his name? Shit. The dude that everybody was Erkenbrand. looking for. Erkenbrand. Yes. yes. Yeah, but... Who isn't in this no, movie? In here. Who's been so taking care of it? not appearing in this movie. Because it looks really bad. So, um, The Two Towers is my least favorite of the trilogy. Get out. <laughs> but, the, I mean, it's the least favorite of my favorite movie trilogy, so it's still I know, that's one still of my favorite movies. And All right, tell us why. Why? I, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't think it's anything in particular that I point at and go, oh, I hate that. It's just, I like the other ones more. Like, The Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite movie of all time. I love well, that I movie. I think it's interesting because, I mean, this is kind of how a lot of people really love Empire Strikes Back as their favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yeah, a but, lot of people. Um, Why? Like, I feel like trilogies, it's kind of hard. It's, it's you almost in some ways, even if you make a really good movie, have the like middle book syndrome in trilogies where it's neither the start or the end of the story. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's impressive they did a really good actual arc to the book or to the movie and i really like that we start it right away with all our friends you know not together but we don't just start with only one hobbit um, right slowly adding people but you know yeah it's the first one has that wonderful you know you you're going you're going back to hobbiton and and reintroing into the world and then you know the third one has we're ending all of this and and two towers is just sort of in the middle yeah, have you watched any of the special features on the extended edition DVDs? It's been years. Okay, because yeah. Fran and Philippa talk about that that was a problem when they were writing it. Because they were mm-hmm. like, the first one had a great place to end because somebody died. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> mm-hmm. the second one, we were like, uh? I just think that this has some of my all-time favorite friendship moments for the Fellowship. Because in the first one, they're really getting to know each other. And in the third one shit is raining down and so like pressure's on but in this one it's all like let's count how many people we can kill or we gotta chase these hobbits uh, before the orcs can kill them and there's all of this banter that goes into this and I love that that's what I live for there is some good stuff in this one I I will forever be sad that we never get to see the version where Arwen shows up with the elves and fights at Helm's Deep yeah man like come on really like of and course, I'm, that was the part that, you know, the dude bros were mad about that, I, you know, it yeah. would be Arwen. But, like, the, the elves weren't even there. Like, get mad about Urkenbrand. Whatever. Well, <laughs> let us have two badass ladies. Okay, so what you don't know is that people were pissed about that when it first came out. See, the thing is, it's been over 20 years now, and people just say, these movies are great. When they first came out, fans were pissed about some of these changes. Mm-hmm. I can only uh, imagine. The elves showing up at Helm's Deep was one of the things that people were pissed at. In fact, I remember, I mean, I don't actually recommend anybody do this in their life, but I argued with a dude on like a Lord of the Rings forum and I changed his <laughs> mind. And nice. I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I was going to say, did you record that date in history? Because hang on, that never happens. I don't know if I changed his mind entirely, but he did say that I had a good point, which was that that's the, same the elves okay. do fight in the wars. Like, Lothlorien is attacked and Rivendell is attacked. Mm-hmm. They just don't have time to go show that. So this was a good way of showing that the elves were involved, that they didn't just leave everybody else to die. Yeah. Which is what it looks like up until yeah, that it's, point. It, yeah. it is a very good point. Um, so one of the things I really keyed in on this time around was the cinematography. Because <gasps> Me too! Me too! Sorry. Okay. I didn't want to spend the entire time being like, this was in the book, and this wasn't in the book, and this was good because it was the same as the book. But um, the, the cinematography in this movie is fucking amazing. The cinematography yeah. is just 
the most badass thing. And my brother was a film major, so I know a lot of weird things that in no way form a cohesive education about film. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things my brother always talks about is the golden ratio, which is where you divide the screen into thirds. um, And the two lines, um, specifically, right, the one third and the two third, at the two third line, that's like the hero's perimeter. That's where you always frame the golden boy. That's why it's the the golden ratio. And what Peter Jackson did with Gollum and the golden ratio in this movie was astonishing. Like once I started paying attention to it, it was Smeagol is always on that line, right? He is always in the second third of the screen. And when he turns into Gollum, he's pushed somewhere else on the screen. And when Smeagolum saves Frodo and Sam from going into the Black Gate. He is right there. When he talks about whether or not he's lying, he's somewhere else on the screen. It was just amazing. It was the whole movie. Yeah, so the whole time I was watching this, I was thinking, this one must have won the Oscar for Best Cinematography that year. It must have. It super didn't. And I I don't think they believe that. They didn't really win much of anything until they were over, right? They won a couple things. Uh, I didn't look up Fellowship, but Two Towers won Best Visual Effects, obviously. And I'm sure it was nominated for Best Cinematography and like sound Mm -hmm. mixing and that sort of thing. But a lot of the sound stuff uh, that year, there was a musical, Chicago. So it won a bunch of that stuff. And Best Cinematography was Road to Perdition. I've never even seen that. All right. That sounds about right. Well, then. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's that's really fascinating because it's like one of those things that you as a viewer don't even realize how it like you're conditioned that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't you don't even know what's going on. But, you know, people who make this stuff do and it just it feeds right into your psyche as a viewer completely, entirely subliminally. Sorry. Uh, the Two Towers did get best sound editing that year. Not and- not. um it's for all that good squelching. mixing, yeah. Which, I am creepily looking up things, and it almost swept the Visual Effects Society Awards, which, fair. Yeah, at the time, definitely. I mean, it's incredible. I have a vivid yeah. memory. I know, like, the very first teaser they released, it was just, like, showing some quick shots and blah, 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 blah. And then I think almost after it came up with the title... They showed that scene where the camera pans across the front of Helm's Deep and the ladders are going up and the orcs are climbing up. And from what I remember from the special features, that was basically the first special effect shot they finished because Peter Jackson was like, can we throw this in the teaser? Can you like finish it up tonight? (laughs) (laughs) And I remember seeing that in theaters or wherever I saw it first and being like, (gasps) (gasps) just being so excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. So Return of the the King really swept all of its nominations yeah. in Academy yeah, Awards, it, which it, I feel I still remember watching it with <laughs> I do trilogies. Yeah, I do think they saved it all for the last one and was like, here are your awards for the trilogy that you made, which makes sense, even though I think a lot of the awards that they won for the third one, like the first one did better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like best directing and and that sort of thing. But it makes sense, I guess, to just save it for the third one. Does it though? I mean, yes, I know. Like it does, from like, mm, from a shitty Hollywood point of view. Yes. yes okay. It's very there you Hollywood. go. Um, so I mean, Chicago it, won Best Picture this year of the Two Towers. Chicago. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what to say to that. Which is like a fun musical. I enjoy it, but uh, sometimes I do go look back at like the things that won awards, even you know, twenty I'm years ago, right and I'm now. like, what else was? Wow, things have gotten. They've really gotten so boring in there yeah they're nominating and awarding lately but so i want to i mean it sort of ties in with the cinematography i'm going to circle us back to actually talking about the movie wonderful um what a concept and you brought up um helms deep and there were a few moments where having you know just read it and actually paid attention to trying to figure out like geography and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um it's like some of the little details that they just got so dead on, mm-hmm. which is also really funny because of all of the things that they changed. But um, Home Steep was great after spending so long trying to figure out exactly what this place looked like. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, ah, yes. They also poured over this to figure out what this thing was. Um, <laughs> the they thing got that made paid me, to do it. Yes. Uh, the thing that made me scream in delight was that in the... I think I think this is part of the ex- 
extended when they actually find um, Theodred's body. That is part of the extended, right? Yes. Um, so like they go to the site of the battle and are like looking around for his body, and um, it legitimately is on the little island thing in the middle of the river, right. which is called an eight. E-Y-O-T. And I was like, <laughs> they got the eight. They got the eight. <laughs> ah! I was so inordinately pleased by that just because I spent so long being like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> I need to know. So uh, I watched the extended edition like just just after Christmas because my sister and I watch the trilogy every year around Christmas. So I watched the theatrical last night. And once again, I found that it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. Like, there was definite bits where I was all, oh, man, that scene makes 10 times more sense with 30 seconds added to it. <laughs> like, when when Amor gets banished, he, in the theatrical, like, the whole king having something to do with it doesn't even come up. It's just, it's just Grima saying, get out. Oh, mm -hmm. really? Wait, yeah. but, oh, I actually made a note that, like, that moment when they're like, this is uh, the king's command, and they show him the paper, and you see... Uh, Theoden's signature at the bottom is so sad. Like, Aeon yeah. just looks heartbroken. Yeah, that's like a completely different scene. Oh and my gosh. That, to me, that was the one change from the theatrical to the extended that I was like, that is a, like, it's just a that's brief a 30 change. seconds. And it completely changes that scene for AMR. And I wish they hadn't done that. Because it, I get that they were trying to cut corners. It's a, it was still almost three hours in the theatrical. <laughs> so, I, I understand, but I wish they hadn't changed that thing. I'm less pissed about any of the other ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of really good moments, but um, this is, uh, I've, I still, I don't know what my official opinion is on what my favorite is, but for a long time, I would always say that Two Towers was my favorite theatrical release and Return of the King was my favorite extended. Hmm. Like some of the added scenes in, in, Return of the King just made it, so I liked it a lot more. I don't, I don't the, really know why, but it has been so long since I watched the theatrical release of any of them, right? That I have no idea. The thing about the theatrical re release of Return of the King is that when there's about thirty, forty minutes left in the movie, they don't change anything. It's the exact same as the extended, mm -hmm. and wow. so I like that. I mean, we can talk about this when we do that. But anyways, I do like that that means they, they got the ending they wanted to. Mm -hmm. Even though it took like 15 endings to finally end the movie. I mean, it's less endings than the book, so I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> they had some problems. Yeah. When you've got, you know, a fellowship of nine, you have to wrap it all up and only one of them died. So, yeah, they should have more conveniently died off earlier. That would have solved some problems. Tubs. He can go I down mean, the like, well. They tr they tried to kill two of them. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. I mean, the next thing we talked about cinematography is uh like character moments. Like what what felt different? What moments were different? What did you wish were different? Can I fall into like the world's pickiest issue right here? Does every single person in Middle Earth have blue eyes? Yes. <laughs> Am I the only person who like was wildly distracted by that? Every single person, except for like Peter Jackson's two kids, have oh, blue think, eyes. Do they have blue eyes? They no, have very like eyes. they have very like startling eyes. Like I always they, notice their eyes. I, well, first off, they're huge because they're tiny and innocent. And second, I'm pretty sure they're dark brown. Okay, My, I'm sure they I were, just like, deep pits. Whenever of I the notice soul. somebody's eyes, I just always assume they're blue. If I'm remembering their eyes, you know. Yeah. Here, but we're yeah, Google it oh my god, because I need to know right now. The Jackson now. kids are always so adorable in these films, <laughs> and so easy to spot out. I'm like, oh, they're there. Oh, they're <laughs> their there. cameos are <laughs> like on the nose. Yeah, yeah, they've got really dark, dark eyes. And because I, I watch the special features so often, like some of them, I will literally just put on the same way people would put on a movie because I find them entertaining. I always recognize when behind the screen people are having cameos too. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's very distracting now that I know what everybody looks like. Like there's one, I forget his name, but one of them during the bit where Aragorn and Legolas are having their, you know, despair talk in Elvish. Mm -hmm. there, one of them is standing like right behind Aragorn and he's really in screen or on camera or whatever. And that's like all I can see. <laughs> Actually, I think I know exactly which extra you're talking about. 
I mean, he's I know got, he's like, not an extra, but... Yeah, well, he is, but he is in that scene, I guess. He's got, like, the shoulder-length gray, wavy hair. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I would do that. Uh, I'd be like, excuse you, I've worked here for a long time, and I would like to be on screen There's for a scene seconds. like that in Return of the King, where literally all of them get on screen at once. Not all of them, because so. there's a lot of behind-the-scenes people, but a lot say, of the... And also because people have to film yeah. the scene with everyone else in it, so... But yeah, no, we get some um, really good character moments in here, like Faramir, who is just such a phenomenal actor. I am us- always of two minds about the Faramir thing. Yeah, I was like, okay, we're going to get into into Faramir. All yeah. right, yep. <laughs> let's go right there. Because like, I get it. I get what they wanted to do. I get that them thinking, well, if we have somebody show up now and just be like, whatever, to the ring, that completely, you know, dismisses... Uh, the states. You know, everything that they've been trying to set up with the ring being a threat. Yes. So I, I get that. But, but also Faramir deserves better. Not Well, yes. <laughs> but also just, I feel like it's an interesting part of the story to learn that there is one good man out there, you, you know, who's not tempted by the ring. See, and I guess and they, I they, always read it mm. as like he is not so much tempted by the ring as much as he's tempted by the fact he knows his father wants the ring and this is a way he can get his father's love. In the extended edition, sure, that doesn't read at all yeah. in the theatrical. Yeah, I say, yeah, the obviously extended edition, the chance for Faramir, Captain of Gondor, to prove his quality line gets me every time. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> But that one I, makes no sense, basically, in the theatrical, because you don't get that flashback. Yeah. So, so that just, flashback uh, gives me this whole moment every time I see it, um, because Faramir comes out, basically, and says, if there's reason to go to Rivendell, send me in his stead, right? Like, you could send me to Rivendell, to the Council of Elrond. Um, and then you're, like, forced to think about how different would this entire journey have been if Boromir hadn't been there. Yeah. Like, that whole yeah. thing wouldn't have happened. The fellowship might still be together. Well, the the thing is, in the movie, though, because of the change that they make in Faramir, you don't know. In the book, yeah, absolutely. Faramir would have got there, and he and Aragorn would have been best good bros, and it would have been fine. But Best good bros. Man, that would be wild. I assume they become best good bros. What else could they be, right? Afterwards, right? These pen pals, at bare minimum. Well, I don't remember if this is something that's in the books, or if it's just like a headcanon I came up with. But I assume like Faramir and Eowyn become like diplomats between Rohan and Gondor because why not? Yeah, that's I mean, good. Like, I like makes that. Sense. <laughs> ambassadors then, are a thing, right? So yeah. so then they're like uh, ambassadors. That's the word I was trying to come up with. Yes. So that's good friends. And like somebody's got to teach Aragorn how to actually be a king and not just like a ranger. Yeah, it's going to be Arwen's job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Arwen runs the country. Aragorn goes out and hunts things. Aragorn yep. looks good. <laughs> oh, Aragorn's a trophy husband. No, I think, I mean, it just between Faramir and Frodo, they just sort of, like, dial all of the ring angst up to 11 mm-hmm. in this movie, which I know stakes and everything, but it kind of, yeah, it just, I don't, I don't like movie Frodo and Sam. I don't, I don't know. I don't love it, okay, because obviously I, I skip their scenes. If I wish there was, like, a way to watch these movies where it was like, just watch Aragorn. Skip all Frodo and Sam scenes. I wish I could select that from the menu. Oh, but I used to know can't. exactly how many chapters to skip and like which ones were in the middle of a chapter. So I had to fast forward. I could like do that in my sleep to do the just not Frodo Sam cut. That, that sounds <laughs> perfect. The only Frodo Sam scene that I'd love in this movie, like watch every time wholeheartedly, is. Taters? No. Scene doesn't even get my love is the uh, elvish rope scene because they're just so like straight faced and dry as they're being super sarcastic. It's real elvish rope. I love that. So I just, I mean, one of the, it's one of the things is since we're talking about Frodo, you know, having so much of the the ring. Sorry, can I just angst. like wrap up our Faramir talk before we get to Frodo? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as I don't personally like the whole thing where they go to Osgiliath and blah, 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 I do love all the scenes that we get there, mm-hmm. even though I kind of hate that we go there. But like, it could have been somewhere else, but... The the bit with the, with the Nazgul and Frodo standing on the bridge, it's so good. And That's even intense. when 
when the Nazgul show up and Frodo, his voice goes all weird, and he's like, they've come. There. It's oh, so yeah. good. With that weird echo. <laughs> the, God, yeah, it's horror so movie. Every time. Like, also, that shit is good. suddenly get bloodshot. And- I hate that they took Faramir's storyline there, but I like what we got out of it. That, so that's I'm fair. up and two minds about along it. With it. The thing uh, along with that that I know is like they give Faramir so much like casual cruelty toward Gollum. Mm-hmm. I know that like where they torture him. That was weird. That felt super out of character. Especially considering in Return of the King, he's just book Faramir. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they don't they don't stick with that. They literally just needed it there. To make people pity Gollum or to make it clear why Gollum has a change of heart or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think yeah. you needed. You could have just had Gollum be a shit all the time like he was in the book. Yeah. No, it was, it, it kind of. Yeah, it was like, here unhappy. is this very small, very weak creature. And then they're just using it as a punching bag for really no reason. Because you don't have a clear expectation that they have been asking questions or that they wanted anything out of him specifically they just start the scene with um, the the two Gondor soldiers beating the shit out of him. That was just weird, tonally. It was very strange. But again, some of the stuff I really like, so I don't know. It's a, it's a sad, <laughs> confusing bit of the movie. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's, they changed a lot of things, but ultimately they still made a good movie, mm-hmm. which is kind of what is always the argument, like, if you're going to have to change things, just make a good movie. Make the changes if you have to, if it's, you know, not not going to work or whatever. But make sure that you have enough there to make the motivations and the stuff make sense. Yeah. yeah. Which they um, mostly did. Right. Right. They were able to get us from, you know, book one to book three, which is really the biggest problem. Yeah. You know? Okay. Sorry. Back to Frodo. My favorite subject. No, I'm... Yeah, that's right. And the the scene with um, Frodo in front of the Nazgul kind of ties ties into it. But um, one of the things that I most disliked watching it and seeing, you know, the Frodo rapid sink into ring descent um, corruption is that every time he, you know, like the Nazgul are calling or something or he's like, you know, tortured and tempted by it, Sam has to pull him out of it. Yeah. And I know we don't have like his internal monologue kind of thing but the fact that yeah he just went down and it makes me really understand why and i've totally gone into the joking along the lines of oh well uh, sam could have just carried it all the way and chucked it in Uh, because they do kind of make it look like you know frodo really needed sam to pull him back literally from that edge and it doesn't really go through the internal struggle that he was always facing to you know resist the power of the ring and you know, that was made him really strong in the book and did not come across at all in this movie. And they also cut out any hint of the ring affecting him like like uh, I don't want to say in a good way, but giving him abilities. Yeah. So they did like, at the very beginning. Right. You get the, the, you know, swear on the precious. Right. You know, the ring will keep you to your word. Yeah. Um, And then like they don't do any of the other bits that follow with the super cool, creepy, you know. Yeah, Frodo domination thing, and that would have been or, also really interesting. Or like him having visions of what's happening elsewhere, mm-hmm. and that that sort of thing. So I don't know. Like I can see where that would be very difficult to fit another thing into this movie. So it's I'm not even really complaining mm-hmm. about that. I'm just I feel the same way. I feel like the movie made it very clear that Sam was the better choice, even though that is not the case. Yeah, not necessarily the case. And it kind of I mean it makes. Sam look kind of, I don't want to say bad, but, you know, not like the just, you know, good supportive friend along and, and the people really working together for this. It's, you know, he was basically like Frodo's protector. And then, you know, they again dialed up his hatred of Gollum to 11. Yeah, yeah. that's another thing that I kind of missed. The um the fact that both of them were suspicious of Gollum mm-hmm. in the books and in the movie, they really show Frodo buying into Gollum. And I think we talked about this when we went over this in the book, but it, it just really stood out for me this time. And it's going to get worse in, in Return of the King. Yeah. And again, I get simplifying things for the movie and whatnot, but I mean, you could have had a bit more nuance there, right? Like, Or any nuance. What? 
I, I genuinely don't know. And like I said, overall, I really like this movie and I like the portrayal of the characters and they had some really good bits. And I, and I get, or I like how they show that, like, it must be a hard thing to do to show visually that the ring is always on Frodo's mind mm-hmm. and that, and that it is affecting him more and more and more. So I like that they did find a good way to do that. You know, like there's the bits where he's just lying there stroking the ring and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So they did some really good stuff with it, but they did some stuff that I don't personally like. I also, I say I have nothing. I have nothing to say, particularly about team friendship, because <laughs> they're just they're perfect. They're great. I love them so much. I am. Uh, this isn't really about this movie, but I'm sad that there isn't time to revisit the Gollum and Aomer friendship Gimli and Aomer yes 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 sorry Gimli (laughs) Gimli (laughs) Gimli and Aomer uh just because I really like how that all comes to a conclusion in the books and the fact that they kind of become friends and that sort of thing so I like that they had in the you know the bit with them the the bit with Aomer threatening to cut off his head but then they don't really get into the whole Galadriel thing and Mm mm-hmm and that sort of thing. I don't know. I, I just really yeah. like that in the books. But like, I 100% get why they couldn't do that. But no, no, there were a lot of moments where I kept being. Yeah. Same thing. Like things I wish were there, even though I know they couldn't be. Yeah. Um, I wish we had um, just like maximum drama Aragorn in that scene, too. Yeah. Like it would have it would have looked so weird. It would have been so, so cheesy. But I love it so much. <laughs> maximum drama Aragorn. Um, what did we think about the change with Sauron and how he is working with Sauron in the movie, as opposed to in the book where he was wanting to set himself up as the new Sauron? All you had to like... do was remove that R. <laughs> <laughs> I feel well, like um, in the movie, we don't have enough time for Sauron to have his own world domination ambitions. Mm-hmm. So like setting himself up as a pseudo partner slash higher level lackey makes a lot more sense with the time constraints of, you know, like nine hours that they had to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of agree. It's like, it works. I didn't, it's, it's something even this time I didn't really like pay enough attention to realize. I was just like, yeah, it's Saruman. He's doing his thing. Right. Right. Like I, I I, like barely pay attention to what his actual like allegiance is. Because you just know he's like on he's the bad guy, whatever. Yeah. Well He's really good at it. Also, Christopher Lee could say anything and make me believe it. So. It's so true. That's true. But Grima Wormtongue got his own little subplot weird visual thing happening. So I feel like there's only so much time the villains can have before they're too sympathetic to be villains. And rather than give up our hero's time, they just, you know, made Saruman work for Sauron. That's pretty much I'm how I feel, too. I mean, it works. Again, it works for the movie really well. So I'm so excited that every time I've said their names, I've said their names correctly and haven't messed them up. <laughs> Unlike me. <laughs> um, I did. I did spend a few times chuckling thinking of uh, Aruman. Yeah, I literally too. wrote Aruman in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It's a thing. Speaking of Saruman, have we talked about the flawless, perfect in every way last March of the Ents? I disagree. You're wrong. Ooh. But okay. I mean, why? I guess once they're marching on Isengard, that's fine. It's wonderful. Uh, I, I actually really hate that Peter Jackson has them decide not to at first, though. Well, the Entmoot in general is basically just to point out that people in Middle-earth are indecisive and that the bystander effect is real. But yeah, no, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about the last march of the Ents. Oh, yeah, the no, that, that bit's great. Yes, wonderful. It's, oh, yeah. it's great. I, I I will like I'm no one even be trying to and I'll just I cannot not quote along with most of it. It's so good. Just be like a hit, a fine hit. Oh, and the little tree who catches fire. I get I'm so worried for him every time. And then when the the fire tree runs into the water and like ducks in. Oh. It's so good. It's little moments like that that always like it's good. Bring a movie (laughs) joy. They elevate it to a higher level of existence. But I don't think you're wrong. The other end scenes are kind of a loss because you get the like super sexist we lost the ant wives and i can't even remember anything about them or what they look like that's um, only in the extended ant wives aren't even mentioned in the theatrical okay well in the movie i watched which is the <laughs> correct movie 
<laughs> to be clear. I- I'm just mentioning to bring it up. I'm just every... There's the... the Yeah, the Entmeet, Entmoot, whatever we're calling it, which is just a whole lot of nothing, which I understand is supposed to be like a setback for our heroes and removing the naivete from their eyes, but really it just felt like a waste of time. And then also in the extended edition, that stupid water dream about growing taller. What the hell is that? That is actually a thing from the book. I know. Why did we need it in the movie? Well, that's why they cut it out of the the theatrical. Yeah. (laughs) Also, like, essentially adding in the old man Willow thing. They were like, oh, like the, I I had a good chuckle uh, when they, uh, Mary and Pippin are like on the edge of the woods first hearing them speak. And it's like, do you remember the old forest on the borders of Buckland? Um, I was like, (laughs) yeah, I do. I read all of the chapters in that stupid forest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we went there with you. (laughs) Yeah. For a long time. It's not, you know, really how they're done in the books, but I do like the design on the Ents. Yeah, I like it too. I think the Ents look fantastic. Yeah, I like that they can be mistaken for trees. Yeah. And I, I love the double take that, that Pippin takes mm-hmm. when he's when he's first on uh, Treebeard's face. Oh yeah, the white eyes are perfect. Yeah. So I have some a few Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli comments. Okay, let's hear. That are in no way linked, but Legolas runs like an idiot. (laughs) He doesn't move his arms. What is he doing? I was watching at the beginning, and I was just like, "You look ridiculous." Gimli, however, with his little like pep talk to himself just to keep breathing, that was highly relatable. That was, I don't know, that was the best. I do think I did notice that they didn't ride bareback. (laughs) (laughs) They did not. I um. What am I? That's probably for actor safety. Yes. <laughs> Although I guess Gandalf did. That's on Gandalf Shadow. did, a and um, uh, uh, Aragorn does. Oh right, yes. On Brego. in the completely added scene, that's like <laughs> <laughs> the whole. There's something the that could have been cut. The whole storyline with Brego, and that they were like attacked on the way to Helm's Deep. Like we didn't need any of that. Yeah, I don't. But how else would really... you know that the orcs are coming? How else? And, and Hama dies. Yeah, they had to get rid of him somehow. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Otherwise, he would have been the president, so. Yeah. So I actually, I paid attention to him because, you know, how much for, for president 2020. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, actually really noticing him in the background through the whole um, Mediceld, yeah, Edoras scene. <laughs> Mediceld is correct. There we go. Um, and, uh, like, paying attention to him in the background with, like, all of the indications of, like, him, like, like he him deliberately letting Gandalf in with the staff and like he holds back someone else from going to attack them later oh. and you're like, ah, oh, good Hama. I'm you're glad the that they kept that that good that good Hama characterization. Yep. And then of course it's, you know, his wee son who Aragorn has this bonding moment with later. Oh yeah. I I just Oh my ass- gosh. I don't know why I never put that together. I just assumed Hama was either. like a a common a common Rohanian name. I think it's. Well, I, I mean, it could be, but no, it's. Yeah, no, know, it makes so much more sense. Son of Hama. Oh man, I hope that kid lived. Is it Hama mine? Is that his name? It's, um, no, it's because that's what it sounds like. He's saying he's son of because yeah. it's Hama, my lord. Um. Well, anyways, even if it's not yeah. headcanon, that's what son. the headcanon is now. I mean, I mean, he's definitely son of Hama. Yeah. <laughs> could be any Hama, but yeah, Aleph, yeah, and like with Aleph. the. With the uh, warg scene, um, it's one of the two moments in this movie where it's like, Legolas can shoot arrows really quickly, except for when it's more dramatic for him not to. <laughs> yeah. Right? Also, he takes down, like, two wargs from a distance, and then, like, him shooting the Uruk running at the the drain. Like, you you could have shot more arrows. In my, my favorite dude. moment of CGI ever, where he gets back on the horse. It was so good. It's real good. It's so fun. It's just He's Keith so Legolas. It is exactly his character. It's they actually didn't mean to do it that way, but I don't need to go into explaining the special features. It's fine. People can watch them if they're interested. He had a broken rib. It's it's fine. <laughs> I was actually going to say that might be why he was running so weird because I'm pretty sure during the running scenes, uh, Orlando Bloom had a broken rib. Poor baby. Still makes the elf look really weird. I mean, it's like true to character. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's so true. 
Um, and then I'm watching when they're doing their like fall back into the keep. Not the first time when they breached the wall, but when they breached the gate and they're like actually falling all the way back. Yeah. Um, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are the first ones to run away, <laughs> which is very out of character. Like this, I think this is the first time I've ever like tried to pick them out of the crowd. But they're like, Aragorn yells something like, fall back into the keep, and then turns around and runs away before any of the other Knights of Rohan have, like, moved. Like, I'm out! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this isn't my country, bitches! <laughs> this is not what <laughs> leadership looks like. Yeah, so um, many things about Helm's Deep bothered me, but I've decided to let go of the fact that we didn't get any of the super incredible dwarven architecture that... Was the so caves. P- featured in the books. Yeah, the caves I are the glittering caves. Like I really want to see the halls and all of the gems and how beautiful it's supposed to be. But I think having these like decrepit, super like close quartered caves paint a much bigger picture of just how close Rohan is to the end of its rope. Like this is as far as they can go, and they're all gonna die. And I know for logistics of both like keeping the viewers knowing what's going on and for you know filming and cgi purposes they had to keep like the bulk of the group together at once like the entire army basically right like we Mm -hmm. instead of having the kind of two fronts um we just have the one but i'm i wish we had had you know the sort of touching legolas worrying about gimli thing Mm -hmm. and not the scene that i've bitched about before with you know at the end of battle him you know, sitting on shooting the one that Gimli is sitting on and then the dumb comment about nervous system. But, you know, like, <laughs> right? Legolas is like, I don't even care that I lost. I'm so glad you're alive. Yeah. Would have been too yeah. Like, well, I mean, like, they didn't even need to go for full that. It just needed to be like, it should have just been a good friendship moment and not. Yeah. It could have been weird, bitter rivalry. Hey, I'm going to beat you next time type of thing. Come on, guys. Oh, missed opportunities. Missed opportunities and galore. The the whole Eowyn Aragorn reunion is very weird. It's not supposed like, to be a reunion. It's supposed to be a flashback. What? The bit Eowyn. where they're like lying. Eowyn. Eowyn. <laughs> Eowyn. Different woman. The other woman in the movie. The oh, we have vowels. two whole women now, Caitlin. Can't you keep them apart? The I'm other so sorry. vowels in that name. That's okay. I just thought maybe I missed a flashback. Nope. No, I'm an idiot. Carry on. No, like, because when she's, like, all, like, runs down the stairs, like, that's totally cool, but Aragorn, you definitely could have brushed her off before she got her hopes up. Like, this would have been the moment to not, like, awkwardly let her pet your face and hug her. It's a little weird. The the Those scenes make even less sense in the theatrical because they cut out you two of their scenes together. That. Yeah. <laughs> the theatricals clearly make no sense, and the extended editions are in every way superior like they even come with their own built-in intermission because you have to change the discs the terrible stew scene is kind of weird though yeah yeah like like i've like, also like oh three scenes this that, is that's three scenes between is, them that are cut out of the theatrical yeah. so it makes so this is a guy who's sense. been on like sorry on a number of war campaigns and stuff and you cannot screw up the worst a things. stew that badly i think right? it's like, supposed to be super salty and so like inedible Still, <laughs> cannot Still, screw up that badly. Aragorn, suck it up. Um, one thing while we're still on Helm's Deep here, my favorite thing in the whole Helm's, Helm's Deep situation is just after Aragorn comes back and he says, you know, ten thousand or Urkai are on this way, are on the way, and then as they're all sort of walking around, somebody just says to somebody else, "Secure the gate." <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> yeah, they just say, "Secure the gate." <laughs> and that's that's what, what they do. <laughs> Not like secure the gate. Ten thousand Urukai are coming. Not prepare for your death. You, you know, like just secure the gate. What? They're you know what? They're <laughs> professionals, like- Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I'm not complaining about this at all. I I genuinely love it. It's my favorite. I love that battle scene. I really do. Except. It doesn't seem like they're paying a lot of attention to anything. Also, here's a question. There's that one Urukai who's like got his weird sparkler, 4th of July sparkler, and he's running after the gunpowder grenades that have been put in the... the drain. Um, thank you. The drain. Um, 
why did we need the 4th of July sparkler? Why couldn't one of the torches that was already there be thrown into the drain? Well, cinematography, my dude. Yes. I guess. Obviously. Man, where is the common sense? So my favorite thing about that is the shots of, of Legolas shooting him oh, yeah. are very clearly recycled later when <laughs> he shoots down one of the giant ladders. <laughs> and in fact, Orlando Bloom has said, I was very surprised when I saw I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Movie magic. It is yeah. so refreshing that these actors came out of what is truly a marathon of filmmaking to not only be incredibly good friends, but to have been like, yeah, I had a phenomenal time. Because a lot of times they film these super long, arduous movies and just hate everything about it. See Star Wars, which. Yeah, I don't I just I had I have so many like moments that I just took note of. Um, So I don't know if anyone else has any other Helm's Deep things. Um, I, uh, I'm good. I have not so much moments, but just like things, I guess, just to finish off Helm's Deep. My actual favorite good movie moment is when the they, you know, they blow up the wall and then the elves charge and the music that plays there is like it's the Lothlorien theme, but it's done as like a battle theme. Yeah. And it's, it's so, so good. good. I mean, the Two Towers music is real, real good. It's so I'm so it's fucking pissed stuff. that Chicago won for all the music shit because Howard sure deserves like five uh, Oscars for these movies. I don't care. Mm. He may have let me down in The Hobbit, but. Only because he set such a high bar on the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to know backstory there because I don't know. I'm curious if they just like didn't pay him enough or. I don't know because Howard Shore, if you look into what he's done with his career, he was in love with what he did on Lord of the Rings. Like if you watch the special features on Return of the King, they really uh, the the post-production on Return of the King was a fucking mess. So maybe he didn't enjoy that. But. Afterwards, he like went on tour and just performed Lord of the Rings music everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, like, and he did that voluntarily, I, I presume to make money, obviously, but he, I don't think he needed the money necessarily if he didn't want to stay with the Lord of the Rings music. He, for a couple years there, like Lord of the Rings was his career and that was it. Yeah. Very weird. Um, anyway, the moment that just made me laugh was, um, when, Gandalf goes out and it's like Shadowfax shows up and like oh, this is all it's one of the Maras and uh Gandalf is like, yes, and he's he's been my friend through many dangers or whatever, many whatever things. Um <laughs> and I'm like, yes, ever since you stole him from Theoden. <laughs> <laughs> like I know the backstory on this horse. You did not just summon him from the ether. <laughs> I guess they didn't want to make Gandalf a common thief. <laughs> a common horse thief. <laughs> God, that would have been so funny. Uh, I love it because he's so grumpy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's That's one of the great just like added ex- extended moments where they're like walking out of Fangorn and Gimli's like, this Gandalf's even grumpier than the old one. <laughs> I honestly don't remember if that's in the theatrical. I'm sure it's not. Okay. If you're sure. I'm totally because like they, they 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 just like cut off the conversation and get on with it. You're that right. Seems think, to be yes. a theme. I do think that that is how that plays out. You'd think I'd know. I watched it literally last night. You know, um, I was also ostensibly doing work at the time, but you know, whatever. <laughs> no, it it was that's uh, it's I've watched these movies all the time, but I'm not usually paying full attention to them. Yeah, um, which I think is something I've brought up before. Like, lots of the little things that I've just noticed generally um there's one at the black gate where the mercenaries who come to like check on frodo and sam um after they don't see anything they turn around and they just like make a shrug that looks exactly like a stormtrooper shrug (laughs) and i was like that's a very stormtrooper moment come over check nothing shrug walk back over you know now that i think about it i think the uh prequels were filming at the same time like, I think Attack of the Clones, maybe? And they filmed in mm-hmm. either New Zealand or Australia. And I seem to think the casts uh, met up. I mean, how could you not? Probably needed all these people to be in, you know, yeah, costumes and sharing some of the same extras. In fact, I'm pretty sure they did film in New Zealand. Because that's why Boba Fett is, uh, not Boba Fett, Jango Fett. Is Bowery? Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah. 
Well, and that's, I guess that's another good um, question I was having is, you know, you have the evil Southern people who are literally the only people of color in this movie. Mm. And I was having a moment of going, which is better to have only the evil people be people of color or to have literally none? And they're both bad options, but. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the good option is to cast some heroes as people of color. Yeah. And that's the thing about this movie, because I know I know it gave a lot of work to to people of color and to people of um, just to people who don't normally get work in the industry. Mm-hmm. But they're all either in costume or they're size doubles or, you know, that type of thing. They're not the people on screen where you can see them. Mm hmm. And yeah, so there's a huge quantity of people in masks. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are are uh indigenous Maori folk. Mhm. Which yeah, it's like it's good that when you, you know, needed to fill these roles, you got, you know, local indigenous people. It's also, you know, not good that they're only. Yeah. Um I also did definitely play uh spot the horse girls among the Rohirrim. Ah. <laughs> did you win? I mean, I spotted at least several. I don't know what the number is right. to, to guess. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this movie, especially in comparison with the Hobbit movies, is how you can tell that they used a lot of real horses. Mm-hmm. Like, so much of the scenes in the Hobbit movies where people were on mounts was very obviously digital, like mm-hmm. the battle scenes in particular. But in this one, when, like, Amr's company turns around to come back to... To Air- when Aramur's company, did I say Aramur? Whatever. Yeah. Turns yes. around to come back to Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli. You can feel that. Like, it's intense. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. those horses use their tails and hit each other in the face. So, <laughs> yeah. nobody CGI's that kind of nonsense. Yeah. Horses being horses. And, uh, and like, when the horses surround them. And, and it's just very obviously real horses. And real, like, power behind those horses. Mm-hmm. And I love the feel of that. Yeah, I guess there's just those choices about, like, are you going to pay for horses and horse training and the liability insurance, or are you going to pay to meticulously CGI horses into your movie? Well, the and thing real with horses is, is better, but... They they CGI'd an elk, you know, and some pigs, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what Hogs. the fuck? Yeah, it was just, it was so unnecessary. It can't be that much more expensive to use real stuff. You're going to make money. Oh, I don't Why? think it was the expense. I think it was just they wanted it to be different. Mm-hmm. Well, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they failed. I would say. So. Other people can go listen to the several hours of us talking about how bad they are. Yes. That's true. That's a real thing. All right. So after all of our sort of nitpicking here, let's end on a high note and talk about our favorite lines from the movie. There are so many good ones. There are a lot um, of good ones. But I'm going to go with the not serious one first because um what about their legs they don't need those (laughs) they look tasty is absolutely my favorite line it's just it's so good i do love uh sam's delivery of oh lembas bread and wait more lembas bread (laughs) i just just i feel like like i've been there you know and i can have more of what i had or i can have more of what we've been eating all day or weekend. When I or accidentally <laughs> make like enough pasta to feed an army and then that's all I eat for the next week. Yeah. I, I do that on purpose. Like I'll make a giant thing of stew at the beginning of the week and take it to work all week. And on that fourth or fifth day, it's like another bowl of stew. I love stew. I really do. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love that bit from Sam. And I think taters goes without me. We, we don't. Yeah. Taters. Yeah. It's amazing. Potatoes. I mean that, and we're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Obviously, honorable mentions in every category because they were iconic. I can't. I can't like that line anymore because I can't hear anything but the stupid (laughs) song me bullshit thing. But it was so funny when it happened. No, it was. I get that, but I when it happens in the movie now, I like to just skip over it. Oh, all same same goes for uh, this forest is old. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Cannot cannot not finish that line. There are general there's times when he doesn't say, you know, old as balls, obviously, and I'm like, wait, right. (laughs) Right. Okay, that isn't actually said there. 
Um, I really love when, oh God, it's Mary who turns around and says, um, there won't be a Shire anymore, Pip. And just, ugh, like, that seems like character arc wise, we've always known that Mary was far and away the more grounded of the two, but you like it to see Pippin realize that, you know, this is the entire world now. Yeah. It hurts me. Also, because that chapter is like one of the best cinemagraphic examples of the bystander effect that you could ever see. I think it's uh, funny for all of us um, talking, or Caitlin mostly talking about how Tolkien hated Shakespeare, <laughs> um, that like some of uh, like some of the best actors in these movies are the Shakespearean actors. Yes. And they have the great Shakespearean lines. But the pair that are on completely other ends of the movie that I love are Saruman talking about how saying the old world will burn with the fires of industry. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the end, when you get um, Theoden's sort of despairing speech, uh, what can men do against such reckless hate? That's a good one. That's a great um, one. And they're both good. And I just, I like how they kind of go into the the pairing of something that's a little bit uh, real in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, emergencies at, you know, false emergency signals at nuclear power plants and constant threat of war and, you know, yep. the entire, I mean, Australia on fire. Um, yeah, I think they're just, they're really great lines and they're delivered so well. That whole scene where where Theoden goes from despair to like purpose of riding out to die is so good. It's so good. But you it's know, also I can't so even good. take notes on it just yeah. because I just I, I just watch. It's also I, so good because Aragorn turns him from, you know, you're riding out to die to you're riding out for your people. Like yeah. you are dying for them. This is not just you're going to die, which is really, you know, for death and glory, you can be for Rohan, for oh, your so good. people. Gah. I, I so truly good. think Theoden has the best speeches in this entire trilogy, mm-hmm. like in this movie and in the next, way better than Aragorn's one at the end of Return Aragorn of the King. Aragorn tries, but no, like Theoden's war speeches are the what best. I need if I need to like pump up. It's like, yes, yeah. for the Olympus. He can deliver them. Yeah, but he's he, so good. I like that he's on on both sides of it because at the beginning of Helm's Deep when he's doing uh, the shortened version of that poem, uh, um, where like, you're at the where's the horse and where's the, the yeah where now the horse and the yeah. rider that one he does that one fabulously and oh my god the cinematography in that scene with the sunlight coming in behind him as the mm-hmm. sun goes down amazing uh, and then how did this not win a fucking Oscar for that anyway so <laughs> yeah yeah it's so good and then. Obviously, Sam's speech is always so good, but it it kind of just hit me a little extra hard this time. Um, him with how could the world go back to how it was when so much bad had happened? Yeah, and you're like, oh, thanks for the gut punch. <laughs> yeah, it sucks that everything is still very relevant, but I guess that's yeah. the nature that's of humanity. For you. <laughs> yep, and I think that's a good place to end it. A little depressing, but um, that's the world <laughs> we live in now in 2020. It's just a little, <laughs> little depressing. It's okay, but there's still hope, right? That's the point. I feel like we're we're in we're in our own two towers where we're not quite feeling the hope just yet. Mm-hmm. It's all okay. right. Let's go fight a giant spider. Woo! <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. Do we? Do we care that they cut that out? I don't- I'm in fact pleased that I did not have to experience that. So no, we are not upset. I mean, like the the pacing of what they did makes sense, right? Just. The structure. All right. Before we sign off, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, a listener who has been emailing us some fabulous emails over the past couple months to an email that I have never checked before in my life and just found uh-huh. that I accidentally created two emails for our show. And I don't really I don't know what happened there. I do. You are doing all of this in the middle of the night. Well, sure. That's true. <laughs> uh, but a. uh I'm not going to read his last name because that seems iffy, That's but from yep. a, uh, a listener named Chris, who I love all of his emails because he is so torn on whether or not he likes our podcast. And it's so I really recommend the Chris. two of you read these emails. They are so good and they're long. And every time he's just like, 
Yeah, I don't know. You're not taking things seriously, but I guess you have a point, and I don't know how I feel about any of this. And it's they're That's fabulous emails, and they're very long, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read any of them. But the first one, it it's just so good. Like there is a vanishingly small chance that my brain will recover from the effects of this questionable life choice. He says about <laughs> listening to our podcast. And they're so good. You know what? And Chris, if you're still listening, even though I accidentally ignored your emails for months, sorry. Uh, I, we appreciate I, you. We appreciate you even giving us a chance because there are podcasts out there for, for you, you know, who people out there who love the seriousness of The Lord of the Rings and want it to be a serious thing. And we do something different. And I appreciate you giving us a chance, even though it goes against apparently everything that is good and true to your soul. Thanks, Chris. I'm sorry for all of the terrible jokes. Yeah. <laughs> we are not I mean, that funny. We're not sorry. Anyways, so if you want to support our podcast, you can check us out at Patreon, uh, which is at patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. Tolkien, sorry. <clears throat> you can tweet at us at to read Tolkien. And you can email us at you want to read Tolkien at gmail.com. That is the email I check. I think I have been saying the other email. Sometimes. Oh, whatever. You want to read Tolkien or want to read Tolkien. I will just forward the emails from one of them. It's fine. Perfect. <laughs> because I don't even know anymore. At, uh, at gmail.com. And you can check us out on Instagram, even though we've been real quiet over there recently. Instagram.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. And I think that that is that. I love it. I've been Caitlin. It's a good time. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.